For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Thursday, July 16th. And, uh, John, we can officially say that uh, two things. One, the Imani Bates commitment, shockingly, created some momentum for Michigan State basketball on the recruiting trail. And two... You're an insider. People are saying. Plenty. I mean, the water cooler, I don't know about your water cooler, where you are nowadays, your home office, mine's been buzzing. I got to tell you, the water cooler of my sink has been hot. My wife is not interested in the the conversation, but fortunately, my next door neighbor is, and um, he is one of the people that tipped me off on this uh, information mm-hmm. that Max Christie would be signing on July 7th. Um, I mean, that first of all, what an amazing sign for Michigan yeah. State. It's almost, I don't want to say, it was, it's been overshadowed because the Imani Bates is a, is a generational signing. Max Christie, in his own right, would not only be the best, would it be the jewel of a Tom Izzo class. As far as uh, 24-7 composite rankings go, he would have been the fifth highest uh, ranked prospect going up all the way back to 2003 for Michigan State. So, like, yeah, I think you're right. I think absolute it, stuff. It's crazy. In, in a way, like, you know, once upon a time – despite winning Big Ten Player of the Year, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Morris Peterson is the second best player on this team because of Mateen Cleaves and everything he had done. It almost feels, obviously, a much younger and different generation, but like, it almost feels kind of the same thing where you're like, yeah, that second best player is like a star. Like This is, this is the type of kid, like you said, that would be the headliner of not only a Tom Izzo class, but most classes for schools, Absolutely. I would say outside of, and maybe even including in, in a lot of years, a North Carolina, a Duke, a Kentucky, a Kansas. I mean, this is, I mean, this yeah. is a national recruit. In what'd you say? No, I said he's the number one shooting guard in the country. Like, yeah, and for good reason. Understood as the best two guard in the country. Like that on its own is unbelievable because. You know, when you think back to, you know, Spartans in the NBA or Spartans that have done incredibly well under Tom Izzo, and maybe I haven't thought too hard about it, but the two guard doesn't jump out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's not a knock, but like Gary Harris for me, Bryn Forbes, completely different player and one that transferred in. Yeah, Jason me, Richardson. Right. Right. And like. I don't know. It's that isn't that isn't the position that I would think of to have the number one player in the class. You know what? If you're tracking what right. I'm saying, that is I know exactly what you mean. But this kid, um, as we mentioned, 
uh, best player uh, in the country at his position, 6'6", can shoot from anywhere. Um, And weirdly, like, 6'6", doesn't feel, like, too tall anymore for a shooting guard. It feels perfect because he can, like, get his shot off anywhere he wants. Um, And he's able to do that even at the highest levels of competition. Um, And I don't know. He he averaged. God, what did I what did I send you as a junior? He was averaging it's like 27 and 11 or something like that. Also, yeah, 27 and 11 as a junior in high school. And, you know, granted, not the strongest league um, in our little suburban area here, but 27 and 11, you know, anywhere you go is pretty nice. Well, I, I think not only that, but when you look at, you know, production, like you said, you have to take it with a grain of salt in, in high school. Uh, but at the same point in time, you know, this kid's playing high major AAUs with the Correct. best of the best Correct. and holding his own. And right. then additionally, on top of that, when you look at these guys in, in, you know, when you're evaluating them as, as recruits, you have to look at just like, what's the skill set and the skill set and what, what are like kind of like your raw tools? And there's not much, I mean, from, from a pure athleticism standpoint, there's not much that Max Christie can't do and not much of it. And not much of what he does do is unrefined. He's very, I use the word raw. He's very much not raw. I think that's the most impressive thing I've noticed in watching, you know, what few highlight reels and and tapes and stuff like that, that I've seen is that his game is super, super refined, especially that shoot, that shooting stroke in particular, like it's you, you could, you make that stroke in a lab. Like that's not, and at six six, mm-hmm. like you said, he's able to get that off against you know the vast majority of players that he's going to go up against. And mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing that when we talk not only just about him but about the class in general, which you know, assuming Imani Bates reclassifies and joins his class, you're talking Imani Bates, who obviously can do literally everything. Could be center, could be played. Doesn't he? Doesn't have a position. He's mm-hmm. too good. Mm-hmm. Christie could conceivably play one through three very easily, possibly even play a little bit of small ball four if you want to get weird. I mean, the MSU's had six, six, you know, obviously with room to grow between now and then, but like six, six, four. Points, baby. Can, <laughs> case in point. Um, and then on top of that, you've got Pierre Brooks, mm-hmm. who could conceivably play, again, one through three, maybe even some small ball four very very easily and obviously there's a lot of projection in there but just based on the way these kids play now you're talking about three guys where there's not a lot that the three of them can't do and there's not a lot that not only can it's not a projection but it's like they can do all of that today let alone in a year when they're gonna actually come on campus so uh, i don't think that we're that far from being able to talk about this in the historical great Tom Izzo recruiting classes and obviously a long ways to go, but absolutely. You know, I want to, I want to touch on a few things. I think it's so vitally important that we've seen so much success with um, Tom Izzo's uh, evolution within the half court set, you know, in the early two thousands, you saw uh, Michigan state teams that had playbooks that were just incredibly thick and incredibly complex. And then um, that changed over time. Um, and to this point, now they're running more um, um, set, different types of half-court sets um, and, and where the two and the three are, are fluid, uh, you know, the wing position, it, it's really not a two or a three, it's a wing, right? Yeah. And, and you made a point of there's there's now a bunch of guys that can play that, um, which is really important. You don't have to, like, necessarily, quote-unquote, know where people are supposed to go. You're playing, you're playing a concept, so... Um, if you know the two, then you know the three. And so when you have guys like Max Christie, uh, Gabe Brown, Pierre Brooks, um, Amani Bates, Malik Hall, potentially, they all know how to play the wing. That just makes Michigan State even more dangerous and because of the simply because of the depth. Um, I, I'm just we're looking two years down the line when I say some of those names, but um and, I, and it's important to mention because Max Christie did mention he will not reclassify. So he yep. will be coming in 
on the 2021-2022 year when he's a freshman. He's already been reaching out to Amani Bates and trying to make sure he's reclassifying from his 2022 year to that year so they could go chase a, a national championship. I think one more of thing of note, unprompted, um, Mr. Christie noted that he's not going to go to the G League even if he was offered, and that he wasn't didn't even consider Duke one of his final considerations. And I bring that up because there were crystal balls for whatever you know the, you take with those all the way up until you know the day before he had declared to Michigan State. You know, I, I would just I, Twitter rumors. You know, uh, crystal balls, I take it all with a grain of salt because <laughs> if, if, if you know, we have insiders that are saying this kid is, is, a, is a lean to Duke and he doesn't list them in his top five when he announces he's going to Michigan State, like, just let's be careful <laughs> with how right. much how much we stake we put into, into that stuff. But final thing I'll say about him before I hand it back to you, you mentioned Malik Hall was a very big reason he picked Michigan State. So... We gave Gabe Brown some dap for get helping get Amani Bates here. Um, tip of the cap to Malik Hall for being the lead recruiter for uh, Max Christie. Yeah, at 100%. Uh, he he deserves just about as big a shout out as Gabe because yeah. this this again, if he's not going up against a one, literally like a LeBronish caliber <laughs> recruit. Like you're you're talking about a guy that this is it's becoming a much much larger deal that he is a member of the class and the fact that he is the second best member of this class yeah. is 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 pretty exciting and you talked about briefly you know kind of what the roster might look like in two years and there's so much projection that goes in here but if you know because you just don't know who's going to go who's going to stay but when you look at on paper, theoretically, if everybody were to stay and you want to do the, you know, the the best case scenario, uh, you're talking about a potential starting five. And again, subject very, very, very much to change here of Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, Imani Bates, Joey Hauser, Maddie Sissoko, with Max Christie, Gabe Brown, Malik Hall, all coming off the bench, AJ Hoggard, Pierre Brooks, Kitty or Marble Lawyer. I mean, that is a bingham. It's a stacked roster. Now, the kind of exciting flip side of that is that, you know, in all likelihood, between Henry, uh, Rocket, and Joey Hauser, in all likelihood, one of those guys is probably going to go pro. And at this point, MSU is actually over the scholarship limit. So one of them kind of has to go pro for this (laughs) roster to come together. Now, you think about... Aaron Henry's already testing the waters. I think he's the most likely candidate. Joey Hauser is uh, obviously very skilled and at a position of demand in the NBA. And Rocket Watts, I think, has always been kind of viewed as a as a two year type of player. And this is going to be his team from an offensive standpoint this year. He's going to run the show, so right. he's going to get the opportunity. So let's just play that game and say two of these guys go, and there's an open scholarship. I think there's a name that's been floating out there, John, and I'll let you talk about him. Um, that that MSU kind of wants to fill out this last position with and would really kind of pull the potential roster together quite nicely. Yeah, Jaden Aikens out of Farmington, a point guard, a position I wouldn't necessarily say a desperate need, but would be very nice um, to fit in nicely to this this class. Um, a four-star kid that keeps moving up the composite ranking um, all the way up to 71 at the recent update. Um Widely regarded as one of the top three kids in, in Michigan. And, you know, it's between him, Pierre Brooks, and uh, Kofi, Kobe Bufkin, who just declared um, to Michigan. Um, Jaden would be a, a massive pickup, another head-to-head win for Izzo over Jawan Howard. And, and more than anything, like we mentioned, giving this team um, even, even further depth, not just for this year, but a really a three- to four-year probably a play, program player. Um, that will go a long way um, beyond uh, the year he would be a freshman. Massive, massive pickup. I mean, and, and probably, again, overshadowed because of the names we've already mentioned, Amani, Max Christie, and Pierre Brooks. But the kid is a stud in his own right. When you're the 71st best player and you're in, in the entire country, like that is a very, very, very solid recruit. 
And, um, you know, who know, who's to say if he continues to climb, but that's a name we anticipate uh, making a decision here in the uh, maybe even the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think a couple of things that he would do. Well, first of all, your point about being the 71st player in the country is super, super valid because like when you look at who like AJ Hoggard was somewhere in the seventies and he was, I think if I recall correctly, the highest rated player in the class, maybe Maddie Sissoko was a little bit higher rated, but um, you know, I don't think Denzel Valentine was ranked that highly. You even talk about like, some of these other four-star guys that MSU has flirted with in the past or landed in the past. And, you know, they're, they're Aaron Henry was a three-star. I don't think Aaron Henry is in the top 100. So Correct. if you're being ranked 71st, you're, something is very, is projecting very well for you at the next level. And I think that um, Aikens really reminds me in terms of like a player comparison he actually reminds me a lot of Rocket Watts. Um, and I think that he is honestly a little bit more of a, he's a little, well, is that actually, I'd go as far as to say he's significantly more athletic. Um, he's, wow. yeah, he's like a real leaper. Like this dude has legit springs. Uh, he's a little bit longer. So defensively, you know, he, he might bring a little bit more to the table immediately than Rocket, which is saying a lot because Rocket really did impress, you know, right off the bat pretty well, um, you know, with, with his defensive skills. He kind of became like a defensive stopper in a way, really. But uh, I think you're, you're talking about a big-time athlete and a guy who really could help fill a role in, you know, based on his position where he'd be handling the ball a lot. And I think he yep. can be that, that facilitator is probably the only thing, like a true pure facilitator athleticism, like guard the best guard so that the other guys don't have to. Guy is probably the only thing that's really missing right now. Yep. And he would fill that role uh, just beautifully. So yep. I yep. think we're all, everyone should be hoping that he ends up uh, a Spartan. Yeah, signs signs are pointing pretty strongly that he will be donning the green and white. And and you know it's interesting you mentioned you feel like he he might be a Rocket Watts prototype type of player. He you know he is a bit slighter, of course. He's he's two years three years younger, um, but but he, you know he's six three. And and I think we're starting to see, you know, Foster Lawyer was maybe the exception to the rule. We always knew that he was undersized. Um, we've also seen unless you have truly exceptional speed um that's just going to be it, it's almost too big of a problem to overcome at the division one basketball level you know guys that have succeeded at that level or even in the nba that were truly under six feet just had an exceptional skill set um mm-hmm. that allowed them to overcome the fact that just physically it's very difficult to uh facilitate an offense when you're bothered by length or reach um, that's not the case with the Jaden Akins, um, who's six, you know, six, three point guard. That's helpful. Right. right. Um, a Pierre Brooks, who's six, five and AJ Hoggard, who's six, three, these are big guards, rocket Watts, um, listed as six, three. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, but, but, you know, yeah. take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, I think that, that the point stands is that, you know, you've seen Tom Izzo, you know, starting to, these, these recent recruits are, are really big guards right like these are large guys not normally ball handlers are you see that big especially when we got so used to four years of Cassius Winston um who who just was it his skill set of keeping the ball on a yo-yo was uh was his amazing skill set so uh so much I mean Michigan State basketball is in such an amazing position you know through a pandemic and all the sadness we've had this summer of no sports, Tom Izzo has managed to continue put a, to put a smile on our face and bless him for that. Yeah, um, no kidding. 2020 roster, also a bit in flux. Um, but, but dear listener, you won't have to wait much longer because August 3rd, decision dates mandated by the NBA, and we will know where Xavier Tillman, Aaron Henry – and Kareem, uh, I believe his last name is pronounced Mane. Um, oh, Gucci Mane. A shot in the dark. Who knew? Who knew? 
Um, I think it's French. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, they'll have to make their decisions here in less than three weeks. So, at, you know, will there be a season? I don't know. Will we know who's supposed to be on the roster? Yes, and we will be excited for that because that we take any win we can get at this point. Absolutely, and I think you know it's it, it is worth talking about the COVID nineteen situation, um, and we'll talk more about it. So we're going to get to a little bit of football later. But uh, assuming there is a season, whether it starts in November or January, like you said, John, I think we're we're getting a much clearer picture of, of who's going to be involved and. Um, you know, we ran through kind of these best case, mid case, worst case scenarios previously. And I think what's pretty awesome for Michigan State fans is that that best case scenario we laid out is really looking like by far the most likely of these of these three scenarios. And, and for those who don't remember, the best case was having Josh Lankford, Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry all return. Uh, and, you know, obviously Kareem may either going some Mane, excuse me, either going <laughs> somewhere else or going to the draft. Um, and at this point, like I said, all signs are kind of pointing in that direction. I think there's been, like you said, uh, when we started some significant smoke around uh, Tillman is really the, the latest addition to the party. I think the Josh Langford cat has kind of been out of the bag for a little while in terms of he's going to do everything he can. If he can go, he's going to try to go and and play this year which is obviously you know if he's even 80 percent of what he was at once once upon a time you're talking about at least at the very least you're getting a very competent rotation player and a great leader i think above all else so that cat's been out of the bag a little bit i don't think anybody really expected aaron henry to go to the league and i think there's even something about his parents coming out and saying basically like yeah he's expecting to go back um if i remember i could just be making that up but i thought i could have sworn i saw something about that uh, and so those two, everyone kind of felt a little bit good about coming in. But like you said, the, the smoke around Tillman here in the past week has been significant to the point that, you know, you have to put a little bit of stock into it. It's coming from people that I think, you know, are trustworthy and sites that are reputable. So um, I'm choosing to believe it and let's just operate as if it's going to happen. But if and when it does come to fruition, getting Xavier Tillman back for a senior season is a huge deal. Like, uh, again, it's one of those like with Max Christie where maybe for whatever reason, we're not giving it the credit that it's right. due. Yeah. It's, but like, is, it's as big a return as there is in the entire country, in my opinion. It, it is up there with <clears throat> seeing people on Twitter. Um, um, I, make the analogy it is a like a five star plus type of analogy. oh yeah right i like, mean it's this, it's more than a five star it's yeah, that, this, i mean it's it's bigger it's this is the defensive player of the year in the conference this is for all intents and purposes the best or one of the best men big men in the country um up there with you know luca garza a handful of others he takes this team this roster from a top top 15 team to a top five team and a, a truly a national championship contender. Um, again, for what it's worth, Dick Vitale recently was tweeting that he heard Xavier Tillman's coming back. And then Xavier Tillman made a point of saying, who's your source? So yeah, who knows? He's smart to distance himself from our boy Dickie V. Like, yeah. if we're being very honest here, exactly. just a good PR move. If you learn nothing else in the NBA draft process, mm-hmm. it's to distance yourself from Dick Vitale, and that was just a a really good call on his he part. Said, he, he said, like, he said, like, I've literally never spoken to Dick Vitale in my life, <laughs> which is just a great line, no matter what. Same, Xavier. Same. Same, dude. Yeah. Um, so, but Xavier Tillman comes back, Aaron Henry comes back, Josh Langford is even, a, as you mentioned, a, a, a half of what we've seen him at his peak. This roster is not only, you know, a national championship contender, but we're looking at, um, or tr- like truly, I don't want to say better than, but right up there with the, this past year's team, you know, what? 
with the depth. Um, I mean, everything. I think there's a very real possibility. It's funny. I feel like this happens. I'm not going to say a lot, but more often than you would expect that teams lose their best players and then become like almost better in a way. Like not that losing Cassius Winston is addition by subtraction. Don't get the, don't start with this Carson Edwards crap with me. Um, But what I mean is that it's crazy that sometimes the reason those players are so good and so dominant is because they are by far the best player on their team and they need them to be that dominant. I think you saw that in some ways with Cassius this past year. And I think despite him being gone, it's not to say Michigan state wouldn't miss him and that whoever is starting at the one will be of his caliber because that just won't happen. But the team might be more complete. I mean, when we look at the starting five, at least you're talking rocket. I mean, you're talking rocket Watts, who we saw what he could do last year. Maybe. Uh, and, what's that? Maybe Josh at the two, Josh Lankford. Either starting. either Josh or you're talking like Gabe Brown um, at the two. So you're, either way, you're talking about a, a quality player and backup at the two. Talking Aaron Henry at, at the other wing, which is obviously uh, we've seen what Aaron can do both offensively and especially defensively. And then you've got the biggest improvement is Joey Hauser at the four, mm-hmm. where instead of all the uncertainty that came with a year ago, you've got Joey Hauser there. And then you've got Xavier Tillman at the five. I mean, three through five, that is a that's as good a three through five as you're going to find in America. In and, my and, and you're forgetting, not forgetting, but you didn't even mention the depth of Malik Hall, who's going to take a big leap. Oh, right. Julius Marble, who can bang with the best of them. We don't even know what to expect from Matty Sissoko. Could he break out of the scene? Who knows? Marcus Bingham, is this his year to break out? Thomas Kithier, we know his right. limitations, but certainly uh, is able Capable. to capable and then ag hoggard we don't even know what to expect like there's so you're i don't want to say right cashless winston might be one of the best players arguably you know his in in the history of michigan state basketball not arguably he he was he is right i my arguably was the uh, best point guard in michigan state history he's right up there and i would and maybe we'll you know rings are important but we'll give him a pass the You know, you, you look and you say, okay, Cassius Winston and Kyle Arns are gone from last year. And then you add Joey Hauser, AJ Hoggard, and Maddie Sissoku. I'm not I'm not saying it's all equal. I'm just saying those are the variables. I feel pretty good about 2020, 2021. Right. And yeah, and to be fair, right. having having a facilitator might be the most important part of college basketball, having an absolute yeah. Desert. Yep, um, I would agree. There is so much value in that. I, I won't take anything away from that. I think the the purpose of my point is, I, you should feel very confident um, going into this year that they will not they will compete for a four peat uh, Big Ten championship and and beyond um, as the roster shakes out today. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, it's funny. Every year there's always like that one thing where you look at the roster and you're like, well, who's going to do that? Mm-hmm. And I think this year it is probably that facilitator that you talked about, which is, I mean, again, you're replacing what some would call the best point guard in, in program history, what you have to at least call at a bare minimum a top two point guard in, in Michigan State history, top two to three but the absolute worst, you're replacing a potential Mount Rushmore type of player. So that question is going to be asked no matter who's there, whether you get a five-star recruit to replace him, it doesn't matter. So that question is going to be asked no matter what. But you look around the rest of the roster, and there's not a lot that jumps out as, okay, well, who's going to be, you know, who's picking up that mantle? This team should be able to rebound as well as anybody. They should be able to defend as well as anybody. And they honestly, if they can just keep getting out and running – they should be able to run with just about anybody. Now, there's the occasional, you know, the the one thing I think that's the biggest thing that jumps out at me is that offense got stagnant when Cassius wasn't doing his thing sometimes. Yep. So you have to wonder if this team is ready to, or you have to hope that these guys are ready to step up and um, answer that bell and and be, you know, they don't have Cassius to lay back on. So knowing that, you know, if, if someone stepped up and answers it, 
not a lot of weaknesses on that team. Yeah, the biggest development will will be if Rocket Watts can can become more than a <clears throat> shoot first, shoot second point guard. Um, he's he's going to have to be able to uh, move the ball around to a lot of very capable scorers. <clears throat> um, so with that, like we mentioned, basketball in a very good place, very happy, letting me sleep at night. Tom Izzo. Um, really putting the pieces together for what appears to be his, 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 you know, final push for that second national championship. <clears throat> Everyone can feel very good um, about his, the momentum he's put together here um, this summer. Should we take a commercial break? I think we should try. Let's give it a shot. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. Hello. Hello, everyone. We have returned, we think, anyway. Should we talk uh, about the matter at hand? The football. The football. The foosball. Yeah, I think we should. We um we joked months ago hmm. that it might be okay if the, if Michigan right. State simmed the football season. Well, that well, problem might be taken care of. You know who hurt us? Coronavirus. The South. The South. All of you mouth breathers that decided not to wear a mask, you, this is your fault. Thank you. I hope you're happy. Because yeah. I'm not. I'm not having fun. Uh, Big Ten moving Anyways, to Anyways, what we're talking about. Yes, go ahead, John. Yeah, the Big Ten moving to conference scheduling only. Um, so we will miss out on playing Toledo at home, which I was super pumped about. Um, we'll also miss out on on playing Miami. That would have been cool at BYU. Not mm, on my list, but certainly um, something. A game. A game. Well, we'll you know there can be no doubt. It's not happening. The Big Ten moving to conference scheduling only for the time being when what really feels like just delaying the inevitable of no football. But, you know, we will um, this podcast remain positive and talk about if there still is. But until then, I thought it was important to note that if a student this year, the Big Ten announced if a student chooses not to play this year, their scholarship will be honored um, and remain in good standing with their team. And. I think that's pretty cool um, that anyone won't be like losing out on their education uh, just because because they chose to put their health above all else. So shout out to that. Um, Isn't it crazy that nowadays basic human decency is just like, wow, really good job, guys. We didn't that was not taken for granted. Like we, you might have not done that. Like there there was a chance you weren't going to gonna let people do that so i'm yeah. glad that good you... news good news is surprising to me now that's where we're at in the world. <laughs> yeah i would agree um also I yeah got, i gotta think football is gonna be canceled and we're gonna move to a a spring kick right like right there's so, so much money on the line they can't that and that is the that right there is the only reason I think there would even be the discussion of spring football. Um, you know, I, okay, I'll put it this way. I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm, I am preparing as though we are just gonna, we're, this one just, we're out. This one's mm-hmm. over. It's not happening. I fully expect at least, like you said, that the fall season will not happen. This is just a slower, potentially more painful version of what happened with March Madness, because it's just not something that 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 they can do. Um, now, like you said, there is a lot of TV money at stake here. So if 
things progress uh, in a positive manner, which, you know, wouldn't that be nice? Um, I wouldn't be shocked by spring football. I'm not betting on it. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on it, but I, I would just be surprised if, if it happens. Now, if it does, boy, spring football and basketball at the same time would be an absolute joy, but um, yeah, it's, it's dark times right now. It's not cool, man. Um, no, I'm not. The good news is, Mel Tucker's our coach, and he's a righteous dude. And I'm going to choose to find the good in the world. Um, And for what it's worth, we have heard some information about the program that sounded cool and worth sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, A current Michigan State player noted that Mel is is much more of a disciplinarian um, for the team. And he implemented a point system um, to hold people more accountable. And I think that's pretty cool. And, and the reason I think that's pretty cool is, <clears throat> as I explained the points here, it, it creates um, accountability towards your teammates more than yourself. Because a lot of people do selfish things knowing that they'll have to pay the penalty. But if you knew that other people will have to pay it for you, that that changes things. And it's a great learning lesson. So yeah. this disciplinary point system, um, one point means, and, and I don't know how you get a point, so I'm sorry, but... One point would mean that you run for the entire practice. You miss it and just run with a strength and conditioning coach. A two-pointer would mean your entire small position group would run for the entire practice. Not a thing you probably want to do. That's not a way to make friends. Three points, the entire offense or defense would run for the entire practice. Again, probably not a thing you want to do. Mm-mm. Five points, I don't know what happens at four, must be crazy. <laughs> five, wild. five points your parents lose their season tickets which is oh, an punishment. that's an incredible punishment your own parents can't come see you play unless they buy their own tickets wow I mean, that is great and then seven points you're kicked off the team for what it's worth six colorado players were kicked off this way and i think that's a really you know knowing that he wasn't there for very long i have to imagine there were a couple of those weren't his kids. Yeah. So, so that's really a way, you know, to kind of uh, make an imprint pretty quickly. And the final note I'll share is that the strength and conditioning coach um, is much more intense. And, um, you know, I think we hear this every off season that, you know, the team team's going to be stronger and better conditioned, right. Um, For what it's worth, this, this player noted that, uh, they will be much better conditioned than they were um, under a previous regime. I, I'm not sure why or what exactly they're doing differently, but it, it's worth noting um, there is a heavy change in that area. So that those are the updates for uh, fall practice. Who knows if we'll be able to see it um, come to fruition, but um, Austin, anything to add? I mean, I think it's great because especially the discipline, I think is one of the things that when Mark D'Antonio at least first came to Michigan State, that he brought with him, that was a huge sea change for the yeah. the program in general. Um, so, you know, to to be able to, you know, and maybe that waned in the past couple of years, but to be able to kind of hit that reset button and not and, and not only say it, but to come through and actually execute on it, and and honestly, like if you don't then you don't stand a chance to become what you were or what you aspire to be. So I, I love to hear that. I love that it's coming from the horse's mouth and people being like, yo, this guy's really kicking our ass, even despite all of the hard times that they're going through. Um, I, I love the program that Mel is at least trying to put into place here. Um, and then I think the, the like you said, the disciplinary point system is it kind of plays into that exact same thing. I think it's great. I think it's an awesome way to wash out any bad apples that might be in the program. It sounds like in Colorado, there were a handful. Uh, no clue if that'll happen at Michigan State. Hopefully not, but um, yeah. it, it's a great way to have people be accountable and and make sure that you know if you're there to you're there for the right reasons. You're not you're not not holding up your end of the bargain. So I think that's pretty awesome. I think so far, especially all things considered, Mel Tucker has done about as good a job as you can do. I mean, this guy, dude, talk about it tough situation hired in the end of February COVID hits and he's might not even get his first season. I mean, Holy smokes. Um, can I, I, I want to say one thing Hit about me. this whole season. 
Okay. I tweeted out a while ago that like I'm actively rooting against a fall because practices would be better for Michigan State. <laughs> okay. It's only it's only slightly tongue in cheek. I'm not rooting against football. I'm rooting against it if it's unhealthy and not safe for these kids who are not getting paid. Yes. In that case, I am rooting against it. But um, I really think that there is something that there's a real point to potentially having just a year's worth of practices, given all of Given the fact that this is a brand new regime, I think some programs wouldn't benefit as much from that because they have so many returning guys. And like there's only so much you can add to your playbook and they just might not have the same impact. For assuming everybody keeps their year of eligibility that is lost here. So nobody really, you know, the roster seems more stays more or less the same. Could be a huge deal for Michigan State. Like having a year's worth of practice where you don't have to put any L's on the record books. <laughs> and so you don't have to, let's just call it what it is. I mean, it's all what it is. Yeah. And to not lose, like, not to lose valuable years of experience for those, you know, guys who, not to lose years for the seniors and the upperclassmen, and then to also just give these freshmen a year with that playbook. I mean, think about it. You are simming a full year. Like, you're, you're getting a year's worth of experience, obviously not in-game experience, but like, you're getting that summer camp that you're missing out on back. You're getting the fall practices that you might not have back. You're getting bowl practices that you, if we're real, may not have gotten. You're getting those. You're well, getting all of that time back, and you're yeah. doing it in an environment where it's very hands-on. And you, and yes, you can't play the games, but like, man, this is about as, as close as you're going to get, and it's pretty darn good. So well, there's we'll there is an upside. Let's take it a step further. You know, let, let's let's say, you know, here here's my, you know, uninformed because no one knows anything. Here's my uninformed prediction. The, this this fall season will be canceled, and the major conferences and who knows if the if the uh, the group of five will be even have enough money to pull together to to do the same thing. But my prediction is that the they will attempt to be a Big Ten conference only schedule in the spring. And, um, you know, we'll, the, all the universities will work together and put together an actual thoughtful plan um, on how this could come together. OK. And, and they'll play, you know, a nine or 10 game conference season in the spring. It'll be weird. And, and we'll all just be happy that maybe it starts to happen. I think one trickle down of this, as you mentioned, um, the practices, which are good. I think a lot of the games, the non-con games that are canceled, it, I hope that perhaps if they have to be rescheduled because of money, then it really starts to mess with the scheduling things 10 years down the road because it's just so stupid. Right. Um, t- t- 15 years down the road, we're going to play Notre Dame. It's like, okay, why are we Sick. doing this? Let's stop because because Austin and I have a dream and a, and a vision of a relegation type of, yes. of format. And that can only come to life if these TV, you know, and, and home and home contracts, 15 down the lines come crumbling down. And this is, you know, I, this is step one. We're getting there. We start to break down, break down the foundation. Um, I think there's a real shot. Um, but, you know, I mentioned some of those games that are going to have to be canceled. And I, I don't know if they'll be able to re, be rescheduled in the, at least not in the near future. But there were some huge games that, you know, we don't have to go in depth on them, but we're going to miss out on Ohio State at Oregon. You know, we're going to yeah. miss out on Wisconsin versus Notre Dame at Lambeau. Um, I mean, were there any that you were looking forward to that, like, as a non-Michigan, like, take your Michigan State fandom out, but you were like, I, I would, as a college football fan, I want to watch that. Well, there's always El Asico. Iowa, Iowa State that we, you know, you always love to see, but that's, that's not happening. Everything, Ohio State, Oregon, I think was the most exciting one because Ohio State, you know, obviously a national championship favorite coming into the year, Oregon, who had a tremendous year last year at, you know, winning the Rose Bowl, uh, stealing one from Wisconsin. Um, You're talking probably top five, at least top 10 type of matchup. I know Oregon lost Justin Herbert, but they, they got uh, DJ, Ugalele, I believe, uh, ended oh, yeah. up committing 
up there who is the number one quarterback? Or did he end up going to Clemson? Whatever. Either I, way. I, I choose to believe that every quarterback that has a chance to go to Clemson does. And then yeah. washes out to Northwestern or something. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, hold on. DJ, I need to look now. Because I'm pretty sure he ended up going to Oregon. I don't want to be dumb. Nah, yeah. damn it. Yeah, Clemson. That's a shame. At least I collected myself. But uh, either way, I think that was an exciting one. Um, another one, like as a college football fan, I genuinely think like Michigan-Washington would have been a fun game. I think as a Michigan State fan especially, I would have enjoyed it because going out west as a Big Ten team is never easy to do. We're not good at it. We're not good at it, folks. We're just, we're just simply not. Penn State so, thing to Virginia Tech, that would have been a blast. Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech uh, could be a, a frisky team this year. They probably would have been, you know, or will be one of the the sexy picks around all of, you know, all the experts saying this team could do some stuff. So it's, you know, it is. It's a shame. You you hate, you know, it's kind of, it's just sort of insane. Like, you, you know, right now we're sitting here in the middle of July, if you can believe it. Um, and this is usually about the time where I'm, where we're doing position, pre- we're getting ready to do position previews. We're geeking out, getting ready to, you know, start a season and instead we're sitting here wondering if even the conference season alone will be played so well yeah um, we're yet to know what that might look like because it's not as simple as just eliminating the non-conference games because if you do that you're going to have multiples um meaning you know it doesn't just mean everyone slots up for the weeks one through ten with what or one through nine with whatever conference schedule they have like they're going to have to rearrange some things in the buys because yep. the first game for Michigan state against a big 10 team is Northwestern in week one. Week one. The, the worst, the first uh, big 10 game for someone else was Northwestern and that can't right. be week one. Right. So um, we're still waiting to, everything might change. It might keep. Well, and I, I think what they would do, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to condense the this the schedule backwards because there's no chance that when we the whole point of eliminating these non-con games aside from limiting travel which i think was if not the deciding factor certainly one of one of them um is eliminating early games i think you know the big 10 mm-hmm. is trying to buy themselves as much time as possible to hopefully be able to play any games right. so in all likelihood you know, I said earlier that certain things wouldn't shock me. It would truly shock me if MSU is still suiting up and playing in Evanston on the same day that well, they were originally scheduled to. Because I think it was like September 7th or something like that, like really early. Yeah. So. Yeah. The first game here is in East Lansing. Um, in oh, in East Lansing. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it would be Labor Day weekend, right. com- which is coming up September 5th. So, I, like you said, it might be pushed probably back to. Um, I mean, we're God. six weeks away from that, John. There's, there's no way. There's, there's. No, it, I mean, it would just, have to be, they basically, yeah, bought until September 26th potentially to to push it all the way to, and even then, that's that's two two I, months and change. And that's just it. Like at this point, I think people myself included like you're just so out of touch with what day is it even that you don't realize that this college football season is like even if you give that break we're talking eight weeks like we've all seen what's happened in the last eight weeks do we really think this is going to turn around in, in that period of time so you know i'm not trying to be a a negative nancy here but it's it's better to just confront it face on and just realize that in order for this college football season to happen even remotely close when it's scheduled to happen, we're talking like borderline. There's a vaccine. <laughs> Honest to God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that might be the only thing that makes it happen. And you know what? Here's my little positive spin. I am, I'm pro vaccine. I'm pro <laughs> us finding us. I think I'm pro finding us a solution here. I'm, I'm a very much a, a pro vaxxer in this situation in all situations but especially this one pumped to hear we didn't have to cancel you for being an anti-vaxxer that is no i am not jay cutler everyone it's fantastic news um you know with that you know you look at the big 10 schedule it's tough not cool (laughs) 
um, regardless of when you play them or how it shakes out with buys, you know, they will, I am almost positive, you know, the home and away will be upheld of, of how the schedule was already played out. So I don't love, I'll tell you, I don't love traveling to Iowa. I don't love traveling to Indiana and Penn state. Those no. And frankly, the home games aren't, I don't feel great about playing Minnesota, Ohio State, and Michigan at home either. Well, here's the problem with the way this broke down for Michigan State. And one of the reasons why, again, I am am not that upset if it gets canceled or at least pushed back to the spring. I think they both accomplished the same thing, honestly. But, uh, like, you're – yeah, Michigan was kind of counting on at least, you know – of what we were hoping would be six wins yeah. at least one, if not two, maybe even three of those wins were supposed to come in these non-conference games against Toledo, BYU and Miami. I mean, I think you could have reasonably expected given that two of those are home games and Miami, frankly, wasn't very good last year. And, um, you know, I think you could have expected to go two and one and you're talking you're hoping to go six and six and you're just, you're cutting two of your better, even if you don't win the games, two of your better opportunities percentage wise, you would think exactly. uh, out of the equation. And so now, it, you know, obviously the, the parameters a little bit different here, but can well, you find four wins in a big 10 schedule? Also, also, what are we playing for? Like, you know, like, okay. Okay. So, you know, obviously we play because football is great and we love it and we should be happy that we even have it. Like, I get it. But, like, for what? Like, are all the bowls still in place? You know, like, I don't, I I just don't, I don't even know what we're doing. Like, are we playing just to play? Which, again, love sports. Would I love, I would love to watch some football. Don't get me wrong. I just would like to know what the like what's the end goal? What's the result? Is the college football playoff still in play? Like are what we are, it all, what does it all mean? What are we doing? <laughs> what you're going for. And that I think might be the most concise argument. Um, because if you're playing with the chance that none of that's gonna take place, then truly why are we risking lives? Like right, like, right. like what is, is there a purpose lives? to this? I, and, and if there's not, like, to your point, there are there are going to be people that get sick and, and everyone can be like, oh, they're 21. They're in the best physical shape of their lives. Folks, it's not matter. folks, we don't know the long term and we for sure know that they interact with people outside of their age group. Let's not be stupid. They visit grandma. That's not a good thing. It's a gun. Yeah, it's, it's not. And I think that's one of the key things, just even outside of sports, like people don't understand. Like it's not about the person that gets it all the time. Like, yes, there are 21 year old kids. Yes, they're in great shape. OK, great. That's awesome. I'm glad they probably won't get sick. But what about the other people that they see? What if they are asymptomatic and they don't get they're not one of the people that gets tested? And then, like you said, they go see a family member. They go like walk around campus where there's 50,000 people. Like it's not, it's not an isolated thing. It's not happening in a vacuum. It's happening in a real world where there are consequences outside of these 20 year old kids. And so like, and for what? So, and for what? So that Michigan it, can't go to the big 10 championship again. That was already not going to happen. Like, why do we need to do it? Do we need to prove this point Do we need to run the simulation? Honestly, if I was a Michigan fan, I would be rooting so hard for no season. They're like, oh, no, wait, no, we were totally going to beat Ohio State this year. No. Yeah. I mean, it's a joke. Um, oh, boy. Say that with the – I think all they would be playing for is they would – it would kind of just be like what happened in basketball where you, you might not have a postseason. You still might declare a, a conference championship perhaps, but it, it it's what? almost like – is it is it worth? I I'm not sure that it's to burn a year of your eligibility. If I were a kid and I was like, okay, is this worth it? Maybe because I want to get to the NFL. I don't know. That's a tough call, right? 
Absolutely. And I, I just don't know that there's a clean answer. I don't think there is a right answer, but I know that the what's not the right answer is risking the lives and health of, of young people to play for no specific tangible reason. We do want football. I don't want anyone to think exactly. that's not the case. We just want and here's the other part. Safe. I, I think I think the the important part is like you're seeing with the NFL and you're seeing with Major League Baseball and you're seeing with all these professional sports where people are paid and compensated. There's these professionals are able to a be compensated for the risk that they're taking and be opt out. Yep. They, they can opt out. They can say no. They can choose to not take part. And it's not that the college players can't do that, but um, I think asking them to do so for no compensation and then and not allowing them to opt out would be borderline criminal. So like these these professional leagues, the reason you're going to see those and you're not going to see collegiate is for that reason, because these guys can sign contracts and say, listen, I'm, I might get sick. Is it worth my $12 million contract to risk that? Maybe. But for and, these cows, like, why even give them the choice? Like, yeah, no, and, and that's, that's a really good point, because if I'm a professional, I, I can choose that and know that I have X amount of time to make money with my physical condition or with, you know, being in the prime of my life. And I, and you can make that decision for yourself. A college athlete who's not paid, I don't give a damn if they get free books. That's way different. So, um, yeah, that's why I agree with you. I think professional leagues will figure out a way to make this happen. We're starting to see it already um, with a few of them. I, I would be shocked if college could pull it off. Um, you know, as we as we talked about, we we want this to happen, but frankly, as of it sits today, it it looks bleak. So yeah, and you know, here's to hoping that. And the other part of it too is like I don't think you know we think about college basketball. We think about a start date of November as opposed to September, and it might not seem like this huge difference, but I think that you know four months from now as opposed to two months from now could be a sizable difference. And, and you just, I think the same questions end up arising, you know, what's the point, what are we doing? Are we even going to be able to pull this thing off? Um, But I think that's the one from a collegiate perspective that might actually have, have a chance of of kind of taking place. Um, Here's, here's a mundane stat or thought that doesn't even matter in the scheme of things, but I thought would be worth sharing on a Michigan State podcast. The 80-year NFL draft streak, I think it comes to the end if there's no football. Boy, yeah. I mean, probably. I have a hard time seeing any NFL team, even if the draft is like reworked and I don't even know what it could look like, but Without seeing any of the any of the guys on MSU's roster play, and maybe they do. Again, I don't know. But if they don't, I have a hard time seeing anyone getting drafted. Yeah, performance. The today. only one I would say is maybe Antoine Simmons. He would be the only one where I'd be like, okay, like maybe, maybe, right? One. Right. Right. Like even so, it's 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 tough. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that record is very much. Uh, very much in jeopardy but again i think you know again kind of like how i if i was michigan i wouldn't even want to play because i could just claim that oh we got screwed kind of feel the same way about this draft streak like if we're gonna lose it this is (laughs) we we could pretty much claim it be like okay the one where we didn't we didn't even have a season like we could at least always fall back on hell yeah let's run with that yeah agreed how, uh, I don't know, man. What else? What do you got? Anything else here? I don't think so. I think we will promise to the people one thing. Okay. If if there is no football season, Austin will be playing it out, non-con and all, on NCAA football. We will yes. stream it live, and I will commentate, and we will we will get the audio right for something like that. <laughs> 
Okay, listen, I, I was willing to do this until you put such demanding guidelines in place because I just, I simply, I don't, I don't want to put unreasonable thoughts into people's head, but um, I would be totally down to do that if, if in fact, you know, this, this whole thing does kind of, does fall apart at the seams, but uh, we'll even let people, you know, kind of pick the playbook. We can stay true to Michigan State. We can do whatever. So listen, yeah. we'll, we'll at least provide something if uh, it really does come to that, but um, well, John, this was fun. Hopefully we'll be able to do this again, uh, sooner rather than later with maybe some additional basketball news. If you're bummed out, re-listen to the first half of this podcast. It was super fun. <laughs> I agree. All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks as always for sticking with us for Austin. This is John and we will catch you guys later. See you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.